This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. If you will, go into the book of John, chapter 17. God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to bless you this morning. He wants you to yield all of your members to him this morning, especially your hearing member, your understanding. God wants to open it up for you this morning. We are in lesson three, I think. I think this is lesson three in our series on how to exist in this dispensation or span of time in which we live in. We have to know how to exist. We're here, so we have to exist in this place. And because we do, we need to know how to. Because everything that's going on in the world today, sometimes it seems quite difficult. But God has already had a plan for us. Throughout the Bible, God has taught his people in the Old Testament and the New Testament how to exist in whatever dispensation you're in, in whatever's going on in the world at that time, whatever's going on in the country, in the nation, in your state, in your city, God has always taught his people how to exist in that time. In the Old Testament, we've seen it. We've seen it with Moses. We've seen it with Joshua. We've seen it with David. We've seen it with Solomon. We've seen it with many in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. We've seen it in the Paulinian letters. All the different things that God has done with people in that, in dispensations of times in their life, when trouble was in the cities at the time, in the country at the time, God taught them how to live in troubling times. And then I want you to understand this about me. I believe that it is my responsibility as your pastor. And I'm talking to Church of Living Water specific now. It is my responsibility and I take full responsibility to make sure that you are taught how you are to exist in this period of time. And I'm not, I don't take that lightly. I take it full responsibility and I take it seriously. And because you need to know how to exist And on my watch, you need to know how to function. And because things are going to happen in your personal life, things are going to happen in life, just period. Things are going to happen in this country, but we still must exist. We can't crawl in the shell or come in the church and try to hide from it, but we have to exist because we're going to find out. God didn't cause us to hide in the church. He called us to be outside of the church. So therefore, it is incumbent upon us to know how to live and exist outside of those things. And then I told you last week that God has not restored those and healed those and brought people back that are broken in order for them not to know how to live, not to know how to exist, not to know how to go forward, not to know how to bring the church forward. He has not done this so that we could fall back into different things because we think what's going on in the world is a little too much and I can't do it anymore. Amen. And here in John 17, Jesus is letting us know that he is praying to the Father and that he and he was telling him that he glorified him in the world. 
And he told him that he finished the work. And that God gave, he said, everything that you gave me to do, I finished. That's, now that's powerful right there. He said, everything you gave me to do. Now that's the way we want to leave the earth. We've done everything that you gave me to do, God. I've done that. He prayed for those who God had called out of the world that they may have joy. Now notice he didn't say that they may have happiness. He said, but that they may have joy. Why? Because things are going to happen. Things are going to come up. Situations, circumstances, persecution, tribulation, things are going to come up in their life. He said, but I pray that they have joy like the ones that when I walk, I left them with that joy. And he left us with the joy. And, and Jesus has said, you can have joy in the midst of a storm. In the midst of a pandemic, you can have joy. Amen. And then he said that he prayed that they would be protected from the evil of the world and that they would be sanctified. And Jesus is letting the Father know that he kept those who believed and he protected them from the evil of the world. And I love that because that shows all that he did. He said, I protected them. He also said that he sent them into the world. So let's begin at verse 15. Chapter 7, I mean 17, I'm sorry. Chapter 17, beginning at verse 15. And I pray that thou shouldest take them out of the, that thou shouldest take, wait, let me start over. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for those alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, I love that. Right here, Jesus is letting us know that his desire is to send us into the world. We must not forget that Jesus sent us into the world. See, we can get so crossed up and get so churchy, we forget that. But Jesus sent us into the world. We must realize that he called us into the body of Christ to send us out. Did you hear me? He called us in to send us out. He called us into the church to send us out into the world. But he did not send us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and he also gave us each other. So we're well protected. Just the fact that we have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us, directs us. He'll show us things before they happen. It's a dark, I mean, we, he, he prepared everything so that when we went out into the world, we would be uh, successful. My intentions of this teaching, teaching is to protect us from the evil. Protect us from the evil 
of the world. And when I say evil of the world, I'm talking about things that damage our lives. Hurtful things, damage our character, damage who we are. Hurtful things in our lives. He, want, he said he wanted to protect us from those things that are grievous to God. That may not be grievous to us, but they are grievous to God. And then we need to be protected from the malicious intent from the adversary. And the adversary never have any good intentions for you. Even though sometimes it looks like it's good. At the end, it's never going to be good because the adversary always have a malicious intent for anything. And he knows how to cover up well. See, we're different. We don't know how to cover up well. He knows how to cover it up well and make, it, make that meat look good to jump on. He knows how to set the scandal on. And he makes it look good until you fall into the scandal on. And I like the way our pastor... Uh, our founding pastor used to say it's like uh, an animal being trapped in a forest or in the woods or something and, and you, you're trying to trap him you have to dig a deep hole and then you have to put it over and it has to look like the, look like the, the ground that it's on. You got to put trees and things on top of it to make it look like it's the same ground that they're walking on and then you have to put a good piece of meat right in the middle where the hole is but it looks like the, it's the same example it looks like it's okay that looks fine it looks like what I'm used to it looks like that and then when you pounce on it because you're hungry for whatever it is and you pounce on it you fall right into the hole that's called a scandal on I got you to get after the meat because see he'll put something on it that looks so good let, 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 me, let me just give you an illustration so you won't when I say meat because some people they just look at the meat let's say he'll put a house right in the middle he'll put a car Right in the middle. That one you want. You know, he'll put that house that you said was your dream house. Right in the middle. He'll put that man or that woman right in the middle. And it looks like that. Because let me tell you, the man or woman, guess what? The one he's going to put in the mirror, middle, oh, it's not going to be the center. It'll be one that go to church. Right in the middle. See, it has to look like something that you'll go for. Now, if he's putting somebody that, you know, something that you wouldn't go for, well, you're not going to even go and pounce on that. But it's got to be something that you desire, that you want, that you, I'm telling you, uh, if, you know, that job promotion, he put it right there in the middle. It just all of a sudden came up. Boom. And you don't know whether, again, you don't know whether it was God, the adversary, you know, because you, unless you know where God has taken you and what your assignment is and what he's called you to do, you don't know. The first thing most, most Christians say is that's a blessing from God. Don't know the difference between a scandal and a blessing. Because they, in the natural, they look the same. There's a difference, a big difference. Amen. But if you keep your finger on the pulse of God and you stay positioned where God has placed you, and if you grow and develop in the things of God, you will recognize the scandal on. You'll be you'll look at it and say, Hmm, I don't know, but that that earth just don't look stable enough. That looks good, and that's something I really always wanted, but it don't look stable enough. 
because and, and how why that did the stable enough? See, want to bring it home where you can understand it. Uh, I'm able to get this now, but I really can't afford it. But it gotta be God, cause now I can get it. Scandal on! God ain't gonna give you and place nothing in your possession that you can't afford to get you to walk away from Him. Now you gotta have three jobs to keep it. But it's the same house. That's how you know the difference between the scandal on and the real. Can you afford it? Oh, and again, I'm using house. You can use cars. You can, you can use anything. Because the adversary most certainly will. The purpose is to sanctify us with truth. That is to separate us from evil things. To purify us on the inside. To clean us on the inside. To separate us for a sacred purpose. And that sacred purpose is to be used by God. We need to give people hope by the way we live. See, some people have come to this church because they have seen several of you you people out there, or people in this room, myself, or their founding pastor. You've seen them live a certain way, and that drew you. And say, you know what, they live differently. I want that. You, God expects us to live a certain way so that we can draw others by our walk with Christ. Now, see, I'm not talking about with what you have. People looking at stuff that you have. No, your lifestyle, your holiness, your righteousness, and, and seeing you in adverse circumstances and see how you handle things. And people look and say, oh my God, look how they handle that. I want that. What church do they go to? Many have come to the church by simply that. And you can too. Amen. And then you must make sure that the church that you're in is going to feed you the truth of the Word of God. So many of you out there now, so many of you streaming, so many of you in church period, you got into this church when you came across people walking in the Word. Somebody has to exist in this time to walk in the world, Word in this world that we live in. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, in this troublesome environment that we're in, you want to see somebody that can you can get hope. Because, see, you can't see the invisible God. But we're representatives of His. So being representatives of Him, we need to look like Him. We need to act like Him. We need to go, and you know, if we're real hot-headed and can go off at a dime and we can do that, we need to go back and examine all the times when Jesus could have been hot-headed and how he handled it so I can learn how to operate in that and I don't have to handle it that way anymore. Are you with me? Now, we can't get in the church and forget these things. We cannot. See, the church is not, this church is not established on us staying in the four walls. We got to get out. We got to take what we've learned outside of the church. We spend so much time because people, even our loved ones, you know, and even members of the same church, you get, you spend so much time ministering to them what, what, what they're sitting in on too, but they can't get it. And God said, you know what? They're hearing the word just like you. I want you talking to those that are without. 
They got to, you know, people want that, again, they want that one-on-one personal deal. When you're getting it every day, you're getting it. You got it this morning. You got it. And then you want, and I'm not talking about when you're sitting down and your family's having a Bible study and you're just talking to each other. But I'm talking about, you don't understand. You're still making the same mistakes, doing the same things, doing that and that. And we're going back and telling, you remember, we've, it's been taught on forever. You're still doing that. You're sitting in this ministry. It's time for you to walk. And time for those that know it and to give it out to those that are without. And when I say that, because we know the word, it's a certain word that belongs to the sinner and the believer. But us living our lives, so you give it out when you just walk it once you get out of here. So that others will be drawn to the light. Amen. I told you that I want us to move this church forward in these perilous times. I want to, us to be comfortable in the fact that I don't want us to... Now, this is one thing. I want us to be comfortable in the fact that we can do the work. I don't ever want us to be comfortable in the fact that we think we can't do something because of the way the world is. Because things have changed. Things are not the same no more. Uh, I don't know. You know, you used to do this. No, no, no. The word transcends time. We cannot get in that place. I realize that a lot of things have changed. Yes, a lot of things have changed since the 80s. But God's word haven't. The key is God has not. And God said, I don't care what. The vision that I've given this church, well, let me tell you, if it worked in the 80s and it worked in the 90s, it'll work in the 2000s. It got you here. It'll get the other pers- persons here as well. The world have changed. Listen, write this down. The world has changed, but our assignment haven't. So every time that you feel like, oh, you know how people are... You know what? My assignment hasn't changed. The world has changed, but our assignment has not changed. And we cannot allow the world, uh, the change of the world, to intimidate us, to us, or or, I, I dare it predict to us what we can and cannot do. As it pertains to our assignment. This is an important assignment. It is in this significant time, in this time of pandemic, we have been given definitions of the world, and we uh, and we we learn some things about the world. And the word, the definitions that I'm giving you of the world is from a biblical perspective. I want you to know that you're not going to find it in the Webster. I'm giving it to you from the biblical perspective. We said that the world. One of the definitions of the world is that it is the whole of creation. And or is the whole of creation created and ordered by God and defiled by man? I'll say it again. The first definition I gave you that it is the whole creation created by created and ordered by God and defined by man. So God created and ordered the world and man defiled it. And we saw at the beginning the difference between the world now and the world when it began back in Genesis 1. That's a world. We live in the world. Because, see, we, got, we have to understand a system has come in now. That's the difference. 
Because remember, it was defiled by man. So that took it from just heaven and earth to the world in which we live. Amen. And we understand that the Lord God didn't just create it, create it, but He ordered it. This is important because a lot of those in, in churches, you know, they don't believe, they believe that they can order the world. They believe that. But we understand that and know that God ordered it, created it and ordered it. But churches are teaching people that they can order the world by things that they say. In other words, just speak what you want. Like you're ordering the world. See, if you could just speak really just what you want, you are now the orderer. And you're not. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews that the world was framed by the Word of God. Listen, I have, again, you wrote it down last week, and if you didn't, write it down now. You have a freedom of choice, but you don't have a freedom of consequences. You, you can choose to live whatever way you want to, but don't try to choose the consequence you get for living in whichever way that you live. Amen? The results of my choices are ordered by what God's Word says. The results of my choices are ordered by what, the, what God's Word says. And I cannot change what God's Word says. I cannot change that. Now, I can disagree with it. I cannot like it. I can wish it was different. You can even make it, you can say that it meant something else other than what it really says. But understand this. God's word is his word and his will. And his will will be done no matter what you think your will is. So you can go through all of that. Disagree, don't like the Make it say what you want to say. It doesn't matter. God's word is what it is. And you can't change it. And no matter what, God's will is going to be done. Then we said that the world is the ungodly multitude alienated from God. That's another definition of the world. The world. It is though that multitude that is alienated from God. So when you see the world in the body, it's referencing the multitude that of people that are alienated from God. Now, we all used to be a part of that multitude. So before you get into any judgmental, just remember, you used to be a member of that congregation before you became a member of this one. We all, I don't care what you did, I don't care how holy you think you are, I don't care if you grew up in church or whatever, you were in the multitude that was alienated from God. Are you with me? Everybody say, every one of us was alienated from God. See, uh, see, I don't want anybody to think that you were holy like you came out of the womb holy. You were not. Amen? <clears throat> now, here's the thing that the ungodly multitude 
have, you have to understand about the ungodly multitude. God loves them. Jesus died for them. He died to save them. Because in the back of the believer's mind, especially those that are in the church, the ungodly are unloved. We don't see them like God sees them. You know, God really loves me, but God, if you come where I am, God will love you. But no, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. So we have to see them. See, see, you have to look at it like this to break that mentality in your head. The homosexuals, a man laying up with a man, a woman laying up with a woman, God loves them. See, you don't. Ew. See, you don't. But see, we, see, we, we forget that that's what God, Jesus came for. That's who God loves. Oh, they killed somebody. Ooh, oh, they were so wrong with that. Ooh, no. How could anybody love them? How could it? For God so loved the world. You were in that multitude. You may not have done the same thing. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me, especially those with judgmental minds, let me, let me bring you down a notch. When I say the homosexual, a man laying with a man and a woman laying with a woman, and you just can't stand it, well, let's just put it this way. A man laying with a woman, not married. In God's outside, it's the same multitude that's alienated from God. See, we don't want to center it out like that's worse than a man sleeping with a woman outside of wedlock. It's the same in the outside of God. It is the multitude uh, that was alienated from God. And all of you that are believers now, that are walking in the Word, that came far from sin, let me just, and and you know what, I'm not talking about revisiting, I'm revisiting your past so that you can come off your high horse a little bit and get down to the realization of all. Nine out of ten people, everybody say nine out of ten. Nine out of ten people, even though you are in the Word now, had sex before marriage. Every one of you. Thank you, Lord. Nine and a half out of ten. See, now you're so good, you don't get it. But but that was being alienated. You were alienated. How come you went to church and was doing that? Let's just call it what it is. See, that'll bring you right back where you need to be. See, that'll make you kind of shh about what you didn't do. Because if you've done that, that's enough. Oh, I know. You ran into the wrong church, but you really ran into the right one. So you can't make that good in no, in, in, in no way, form, or fashion. But those are the ones who God loved. God loved you while you was in it. That's why you are saved today. Because if He wanted to hate you while you was in there, He could have hated you and left you where you were, on your way to hell. And let me tell you, you were going to church on your way to hell. Practicing sin. Talking about love and it was never anything but lust.
And some of you that, that, that lived that way before and you lucked out and did get married afterwards, but you lived like hell afterwards. Because I'm going to tell you, the back end is something else. And you're not going to escape it. All I'm just trying to tell you is the multitude that are alienated from God, we were once there. We need to have some kind of compassion, some kind of heart. What if, what if the people that prayed for you, the people that got you out, the people that you saw that brought you out, what if they were not there and you were still in that foolishness? What if that were, what if they thought about you the way you think about people? Wouldn't hear you. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Again, God loves the multitude that are alienated. Jesus died to save them. We have to understand that Jesus loves the world. God loves the world. And God God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. You used to be a whosoever before you got your godly name. Believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, God's plan for everyone is to have an opportunity to be saved. It doesn't mean that everybody will be saved, but everybody do do have the opportunity to be saved. Sometimes our mentality in the church is we look at somebody and we minister to them so much and they won't hear and we say, oh, you know what, you ain't never going to get saved. Well, why did God send Jesus? And how did you get saved? You cannot say that they're never going to get saved just because they're not hearing from you. Are you with me? Remember, we were all part of that multitude. See, we were all part of that multitude and we gathered on Fridays and Saturdays. Instead of Sunday. See, now we gather on Sundays. But we was in that same multitude that gathered on Fridays and Saturdays. The only thing that we had coming with the Lord on Sunday is that we rested from the Friday and Saturday. That's all we did. Whether, whatever you did. See, don't, don't just say, oh, well, see, that, that wasn't me because you, you talking about people that went to the club. Oh, no, you were doing somewhere. If you were somewhere with your legs open, you were doing it. Let me tell you, you were doing as much activity as the one dancing on the floor. We had in common with God to come on Sunday and rest from all the work we had done on Fridays and Saturdays. But remember, they weren't good works. They were evil works. But now we ought to be a witness in the world. The Bible said, let your light so shine that men may see and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen, there are always, always, know this, there are always going to be those that the world reject, that the, uh, that's in the world that will reject God. Listen, listen closely. That's gonna, that's gonna always be. There's always gonna be those in the world that's going to reject God. But we don't know how many that is. So every chance we get, we got to glorify God. 
And it's not our job to try to think which one will and won't. We, our job is to be the light and be a witness. It is not our job to reject people. Write this down. Men have a right to reject God, but a believer does not have a right to reject man. I'll say it again. Men have a right because God gave you free will. You have a right if you want to reject God. But as a believer, you have no right to reject man. See, man have a free will to say, I don't, you know, I don't want to come into the light. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But a Christian does not have a right to reject that man. You have no right. In other words, you have no right to say you ain't never going to get saved. Oh, they are lost cause. They oh, they're a waste of time. We can't do that. That's rejecting. We can't. Because the Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter what their sin resume looks like. It doesn't matter. They are whosoever. And if they call upon the name of the Lord, they have a right to be saved. God wants to save people. And this is what you have to also understand. Some people that, that will be saved will always look like the life that they used to live. That's, what, that's where sanctification comes in. Sanctification changes that. So they'll look like where they came from. Which means you've got to be sanctified. We as believers tend to give up on people that we think can't change. There are people who are making, listen, there are people who are making changes and have made changes in their life that they can't unchange. But God still loves them. And they're not going to get in heaven because, they, because God loves them. Because he loved the world. But, then, but you, you got to believe on Jesus. You've got to give him your life. But they're, they're making changes that they can't unchange. But God still loves them. Jesus still died for them. And God knew when he sent Jesus that those who are making changes that they're not going to be able to unchange. And he still loved them. What a good God. He still loved them. Even in the midst, when he knew they weren't going to change, he still loves them. Now, to get where we finished last week, the third definition I gave you last week, we said that the world is the whole of temporal things and worldly affairs. In other words, every temporal thing and every worldly affair makes up the world. Now, temporal things and worldly affairs are results, we said, of human activities, our human movements, our humans' doings, what humans just, just do. They, listen, temporal things and worldly affairs, that's all it is. It's a result of just people doing things. Human activities. In other words, listen, everybody that have clothes on, let me see your hand. 
I hope everybody have your hands up. If not, you're in bondage. You need to have clothes on. You have you. Everybody have clothes on. Now that is from human activity. Your clothes. Somebody made them. They're not evil, but it's from humans doing. If you drove here in a car, it's worldly. It's not spiritual. And it came from human, human activities or humans doing. Humans made it. Well, you know, they got, you know, you're always going to have somebody, well, you know, now they done took most people's job away. They always have machines doing it. But somebody got to operate the machine. Human activities. Amen. And then we have to understand this thing. All things are a result from humans doing. But notice this. We were created to work. And God created us to work if, if that in our work we, it would produce stuff and things. That's what our work does. It produces stuff and things. And all of them are temporal things and worldly affairs. For example, the first of the month is coming up. It, it, it comes up every first of the month. Or, or this last first of the month. How many of you pay bills at the first of the month? Mostly everybody pays bills at the first of the month. That's simply called a worldly affair. You have to do that. I don't care if you auto-debit it or if you write a check. Sometimes you auto-debit, you just hate to see it go out and put it out in cash. You just let them, just go and take it without me seeing it. God. Just, glad, just go and take it. Look. Or you write a check because you just like it. You just don't even want to put the cash in their hand. But nevertheless, it's a worldly affair and you have to do it. Are you with me? Now go to Mark 4. Because that's where I left you all off, right? Mark 4 and we didn't go there. So go to Mark chapter 4. And, and rest there. Now watch this. Temporal things and worldly affairs are not necessarily evil. This is why we're teaching. And this is why this teaching will take time. Because you have to understand this. Because a lot of you have defined everything in the world as evil. And everything in the world is not evil. First of all, God created and ordered the world. And even though man defiled it, it didn't make everything evil. Everything that is temporal is not evil. Your shoes are not evil, are they? But they're temporal. Now, over you don't have to go there, but over we talked about in 1 Corinthians 7 last week, we left off last week saying that a married man has to care for the things that are of the world, that he may please the Lord. And an unmarried man has to care for things of the Lord. In other words, a married man has to take care of temporal things and worldly affairs. He has to. Everybody say he has to. So if you don't want to take, listen, if you don't want to take care of temporal things and worldly affair men, don't get a wife. Did you hear me? Men, if you don't want to take care of 
temporal things and worldly affairs don't get a wife. Because a wife comes with temporal things and worldly affairs. They do. And that's not a put down or that's not an insult. It's just the truth. Most men in here and out there can say that's true. It comes with the package. <laughs> so if you want to have less things to deal with and fewer affairs, just don't get a spouse. You won't, I'm telling you, you will have less things to deal with. Less worldly affairs. See, everybody is so funny. Listen up, those of you that are not married. Everybody thinks when they get a spouse, this is what they think. They're going to have more money. <laughs> you laughing now that's out there now because you found out that wasn't true, right? Because you know what? You're thinking that we're going to have more money. But you forget there's another person. <laughs> you know, because, see, because you're thinking wrong. We get married. Got two incomes. We're gonna have to, yeah, but you got it's two people now. And guess what? And the two people who no longer that get married, they do not want to live the way they live when they were one people. Because now it's two of us. I want to live better. I want more. See, because once you get married, you want to live better than you lived unmarried. 1 Corinthians 7 and 32. You want to live better than it was when you weren't married. You want to live better. But this is the thing. Because you're thinking you got two. But it's two people now. But what you want to do, you want to live better off the same and expect to get more. It doesn't work like that. It won't work like that. <laughs> Some of you are finding that out. It don't work like that. It doesn't work that way. If you're a woman out there and you like to go home and relax after work and you want to put your feet up, don't get a husband. Don't get one. Because once you get one, now you have worldly affairs, temporal things. Because women, brothers create work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Me and my husband was married 40 years. He was work. Brothers will create work. And it's not bad. It's called marriage. I'm saying if you don't want to do all of it, don't get one. Did you think you were going to get away? Because they got you with all of your worldly affairs and your, uh, your temple deal. No, no. They're going to bring work to you. I, I hear, I hear y'all even streaming laughing. Like, yeah, that's right. That man is something else. They want it this way, that way. It's called work. Not necessarily evil, but it is worldly. See, when you, see, this is what you have to understand. When you're washing dishes or taking out the trash, God's not being glorified. 
That's a worldly thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, no, no. No, well, that has nothing to do with... <laughs> you took off the trash. Oh, God's being glorified. It's not an act of righteousness to make up the bed. So you don't have to show them what you did. Like you did a righteous thing. That's a worldly thing. You slept in it. No sinners are going to come to Jesus because you wash your car. All of those are worldly things. Temporal things. Worldly affairs. What makes temporal things and worldly affairs evil is the intent or the outcome. The intent or the outcome. Here's the thing. Temporal things and worldly affairs... This is where it brings in that. They can seduce us and draw us away from God. That's where it comes in. That's where it starts getting bad. It will seduce us. Temporal things and worldly affairs will seduce us and draw us away from God. See, a car is not good or evil. But when you love it so much that you stay home and watch it, instead of being in your ministry now, it becomes evil. For you. I should have been at church. And you at home washing, drying, and shining your car. I'm in love with this thing. Many of us have seen people, and I have seen people. I've seen people in this ministry. I've seen people, period, that have been drawn away from God because of temporal things and worldly affairs. Many, I've seen many of people that have walked away from God or been carried or seduced by temporal things and worldly affairs over an inheritance. Draw, seduced you. Draw you away. A job. Seduced you. Can't even come to church on Sunday. Draw you away. Pull you out of church. To pursue a promotion. You spend all of your time trying to get that promotion. You spend all your time on your investments. See, it draws you away from God. It seduces you. you it makes you, And then you try to amp yourself up. Well, you know what? Whatever God bless you with, you need to take care of it. Yeah, but you're giving it all. You're giving all of your best parts to it. You rarely even look at your Bible anymore. You don't want to pray. You don't want to go to church. You got to take care of it. I can't go to church this Sunday because I got to go and do this in my land, on my land. I got to go figure this out on my inheritance. I got to make sure this is right. Oh, I got to go in because I want my boss to see me there because I want this promotion. I want to do all of it. Seducing you to draw you away from the love of your life. From your father. Don't know when to say no. And, and, and I'm not even talking about things that, that you have to do at the job. Or you have to come in for this. I'm talking about you volunteering. To come in when they don't even need you. Somebody else say, I got this. Oh, no, no, no. I'll take care of it. And God said, you know, I wanted that time for me and you. 
but it seduced you. Because if I put in that extra time, they're going to see that. And I'm telling you, I'm next up. I'm ne- I got next. I need a promotion. I need them seeing me. Do you know God can make them see you without doing all of that? But now they've seduced you and now you've drawn away from your father. That's the sad part. Because it's temporal. Worldly affairs. The next thing you know, you've totally left God. You haven't left talking about him, but you left him. So many people can talk about God. That, that don't mean you're with him. You can, you can talk about old manner. And it seemed like you're with them. But no, you've left God. Now, the job, the inheritance, the, the car, the house, or whatever it is that got you to Let me tell you, they were not evil. It just simply seduced you. They were just worldly things, temporal things. That's gonna, but that, That's all they are. But it seduced you. I've even seen people leave their spite, spouse over temporal things and worldly affairs. And though, and whatever it is, it, 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 let me tell you, it wasn't evil. It just seduced you. Because here's the thing with temporal things. They're frail. This is what you've got to get. Frail and hollow. Every temporal thing you have is frail. Not only is it frail, but it is temporal. That's why the Bible says you brought nothing into this world and it is certain that you will take nothing out. You know, I'm going to show you. Look over your life. Stop right what you're doing right now. Just look over your life. At your lifetime. Things that you bought. Most of the time, things that you bought is going to eventually go in the trash. Do you know that? Eventually, it's going to go in the trash. Just think about it. It's really mind-boggling if you just really think about it. Because, basically, unless it ends up in a museum, it's going in the trash. Eventually, it, you know, I don't care how many times you try to hand it down and hand it down to this grandchild and that grand. One grandchild is going to say, I don't want it. It's a temporal thing. Everything is frail. People have been since the beginning of Adam forever trying to make temporal things last. But they won't. They won't. Just think about it. Those that were born in the 50s and 60s, well I was born in the 50s, but let's just say 60s and 70s. May have 50, 60s, and 70s. Just, just think of where you are. How many of those outfits that you bought back then do you still have? Where are they? Where, where are the, the medallions and the, you know? Do you remember the pants, the jeans you used to wear with the flap? Now, where, are, where is all of that? All the different stuff that you bought in the 60s. Where is it? Temporal. I remember I used to love a Nehru with a medallion on it. Where is it? When did it leave? All the clothes that you had, 
Where are they now that you had in the 60s and 70s? Where are those platform shoes? Got to buy some now. I used to have some high ones. And could walk in them too. Lord Jesus, I'd kill myself today. But where are they? Temporal. Men wear those polyester shirts. Those plaid pants. You thought you were hot stuff in the plaid pants. I have a picture of Pastor Hill with a plaid suit on. What the? And he thought he was looking good with sideburns. But where was it? I mean, we, even when he was here, we would laugh about that. Where is that suit? Let's, let's bring it home a little forward. Remember that money that you said you wasn't going to spend? Where is it? I'm not spending this. No, 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 no. I'm not spending this. I'm keeping this. Where is it? Gone. Temporal. Oh, we can say it when we get it. Oh, I'm a, And for about two days, it's good. That's about as long as it'll last. But it's leaving. It's temporal. Temporal things and worldly affairs, they are uncertain. They are uncertain. They are hollow. Just think about how fulfilling a temporal thing is when you first get it. You love it. You're like, yes! And how hollow it becomes. And, and, and in other words, I'm saying it this way, I'm basically saying the same thing. New don't last new long. It's always exciting when you first get it. It's just like marriage. It's exciting when you first do it. It's, everything's exciting. And I've, I've said for years and I'll keep saying it. Excitement to get you started won't be around in the end. You better be solid. On what you believe, what you're gonna do, because don't get it. Matter of fact, and that's one thing that I have I've learned from my pastor. No matter how excited I get, he never got excited because he never let excitement get throw him off course. He let me get excited, but at the end it was gonna be his decision. But he always kept his head clear and never got excited over things. Won't be around in the end. So we have to understand the triple things when we first get it, how hollow it becomes. They're fleeting. Some listen, sometimes you can get bent out of shape over things you won't have next year. You won't have three years from now. It'll be gone. Seven, five years. You it'll be gone, but you having a fit over it now. That's why the money said that that's why the Bible says money takes wings. It flies away. Money takes wings and just fly away. That's why the Bible says, Don't trust in uncertain riches. I don't care what you invested in, don't trust in uncertain riches. When Adam sinned, temporal things and worldly affairs were corrupted by sin. The minister this morning let you know that. Everything was good until sin came in. 
Think about this. Before the sin of Adam, when he lived in the garden, to just dress it and keep it. And guess what? He was going to dwell there forever and never die. Wow. That's all he had to do. He wasn't going to even age. Never die. His, his, I mean, his body would never age. Never die. So all of his efforts that had everlasting value if he would have stayed on point. All he had to do was dress it and clean it and keep it. Just dress it and keep it. Now when Adam sinned, God put Adam out of the garden. He said, now you're going to work and tall and sweat. And from that time to this time, that's exactly what we're doing. We have to, now we have to work to sustain ourselves. You have to. You got to go to work. Everything that we have worked for and worked with is going to, listen, is going to go back to the dirt. Everything that you bought with the money that you work for is going back to the dirt. The car, the house, this platform where I'm standing, everything is going back to the dirt. And you worked hard to get it. It all has temporal or temporary value. Temporary value. But here's the thing. You got to do it, though, to exist. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to work. <laughs> you got to have human activity, humans doing, while you're having the human activities or the human doing, you got to handle what it produces. Why? So that it won't seduce you. That's how, why you have to handle it. You have to say, okay, I do like it a lot, but I'm making sure that it's not leading me to a place where it seduces me and draws me away from my God. Because you have to work. You're going to get things and stuff. That's no problem. You were created to work. And work was created to produce things and stuff. But you must make sure you take responsibility to say, wait a minute, I've got to make sure that this is not seducing me. So you work to produce things. And you have to. Why? Because that's how you created. Everything that I'm producing is fleeting. When you buy something, say, you know what? This is beautiful, but it's fleeting. It's temporal. It's depreciating. It's hollow. But I have to work. Why? Because that's the only way that you're going to survive on this side. That's the only way you're going to survive. Is going to produce things. And all those things are going to go back to the dirt from where they came. Every bit of it. And while I'm working, I get these things. It's okay. 
If I'm not careful with them, though, it will seduce me and take me away from the God I love. So I'm bringing the balance there. You, you, you're going to work. You're going to have things. And it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to get what you like. It's okay to get the dream house, the dream car, to do, do whatever you want. Just make sure that it doesn't seduce you and draw you away from the God that you love. That's all that I'm trying to drive home to you. See, we have to know how to exist. Know how to function. Know how to operate. We need to know how to operate with all those things that are going back to the dirt. All of those things. I'm going to get these things, but you know what? I understand. I'm not going to let them seduce me because it's going back to the dirt. I'm going to get stuff, but I won't let it take me away from the God I love. Listen, don't even let the work, the work that God has given you, the character. See, God has given you enough character to work. Just don't let it seduce you. You have to know how to exist in this span of time. And, do, and we don't see it all the time, but... Uh, not all the time with people. The, the acquisition of these things is to destroy. All it is is to destroy your relationship with God. I want you to get that. It's just to destroy. It's like anything that we can do, the adversaries, like anything that we can do to get them and uh, ha- not have a balance with it, we can draw them away because that's called seduction. That's called seduction. But we have to have things because that's the world we live in. And the things are not evil, but they can cause a lot of evil. And cause crime and theft and abuse and destruction and damages, destruction of marriages, ungrateful children. It causes a lot of things. See, I have to work to provide for my children, and then your children become ungrateful. Why? Because you gave them things. Simplicity. Now, are you in Mark chapter 4? We've been trying to get there. This is the parable of the sower. The Bible says that the sower sows the word. I'm not going to go through all of, all of that, but it says it sowed the word into the hearts of men. Jesus gave this parable of the sower that went out to sow, and he sowed the word of God, he said, in the hearts of men. They didn't understand the parable. Where are we? Yeah, they didn't understand the parable, and then Jesus gave them the interpretation. So let's begin at verse 13. Are you there? And it reads, And he said unto them, Know ye not the parable? And how then shall you know all parables? Now he's telling you that. The sower soweth the word, verse 14. And these are they that, that, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately, take away the word that has been sown in their heart. Now I'm telling you, God, God, God is saying something here. Hold on to it. Verse 16. 
And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they hear, heard the word immediately received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endured but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, which as hear the word, this is what I want to get to, verse 19, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word of choke the word and it becomes unfruitful now that the cares of this world is the same that Paul referenced in 1 Corinthians 7 and 32 the cares of this world it's the same care so Jesus is not saying something evil uh, he's not saying something is evil he's saying something you have to do it's something you have to do It can choke the word. I like that verse 19. Now, let's read 19 again. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say that the things were evil. It's the lust. See, you know what our problem is? Write it down. This is our problem. When you mix flesh with stuff, there's a problem. When you mix flesh with stuff, there's where the problem lies. Chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Some folks have tried to overcome this aspect of the world. And, you know, you've seen people and you've seen even religions they may take a vow of poverty to get away from this. I'm not going to have anything. I'm going to take a vow of poverty. I'm going to take, you know, I'm, I'm, by taking a vow of poverty, I won't get caught up into the world. But yet they always have another issue. Have you noticed? They always have another issue. Their issue is not money. Usually it's sexual sin. See, it goes because it's, a, it's imbalanced. It's not balanced. And that's not what he's saying here. Eventually, you have to learn how to exist in this present time. In this span of time. And then you have those on the far other extreme. You got people teaching that the whole reason for being a Christian is to have money and things. See, there's, there's, there's two extremes on both ends. A vow of poverty and this one, you need to have everything to show people you got God. And look how that's turning out. At some point, you have to learn how to exist in this span of time, church. How to live with temporal things and worldly affairs without becoming evil. We can do this. Without damaging our character, without getting involved with hurtful things, we can do this. Listen, human activities was corrupted by sin. Write this down. Listen, we cannot love, trust, 
or place our value in temporal things and worldly affairs. I'll say it again, and you need to repeat this to yourself over and over. We cannot love, we cannot trust, or place value in temporal things and worldly affairs. Now go with me to 1 John 2. You know, even the church has temporal affairs. It has to be. That's why we have deacons. They have oversight over temporal affairs of the church. The building, the grounds, the lights, taking care of things. Just temporal affairs. That's all it is. You, You have to have temporal affairs. Listen, pastors, a lot of pastors, they're not corrupt because the church have temporal affairs. Because even dealing with money, it's just temporal affairs. Listen, they get corrupted because they let that, they they get seduced by the temporal affairs. The temporal affairs doesn't get, they're seduced by it. Are you following me? Because the church is going to have temporal affairs. It just is. But but now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. Before you get judgmental about pastors who may be corrupted by temporal affairs, just make sure that temporal affairs aren't about to corrupt you. See, we all want to look and listen. See, we all like to judge these pastors. Listen. And let me tell you, those that are corrupted, that are really corrupted, and have been to do like well we have you have to judge that you have to judge that but listen but don't get so high minded because you 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 get you start looking at them and oh you know look at them they doing this they must be doing this they must be doing that listen but your lack of tithing is your corruption by temporal affairs what you say is God, I love the 10% more than I love you. I love that. See, I know you don't say it verbally, but that's what God hears. God, I'm sorry. I love this 10% more than I love you. You don't trust him to take care of you. I don't trust you, God, to take care of me if I give you 10% of what you think is your money. Same thing. God, I'd rather hold on. Look, I'd rather hold on to the uncertain 10% than to trust 100% certain God. I'd rather hold on to that 10 And you feel so confident about that uncertain 10%. And you know why? Because it has seduced you. It seduced you to feel that way. Why do you think when people are like, like whenever that seduction is done, dun, 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 going to the side, and side, see, it just seduces you. It pulls you in. It sways this way, sways that way, and it just brings you in. Same thing. (sighs) Don't be carried away with that. And Let me tell you, that little 10%, listen to me. If all of us would go back and check a register 
when we were in sin, we spent more than 10% on sinning. I'm going to promise you that. You spent more than 10% of your income on sin. If you were a drinker, a smoker, either one, you went to parties, all of the you were way over 10%. If you smoked a pack a day for 30 days, that's way over 10%. And you freely did that. That was okay. Even though it was, you know, even though it was giving you lung cancer. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't know what was what be happening with my tithe. You didn't know what was happening with that cigarette either. You didn't know what was happening in your body. That thing's laced with arson. You're literally smoking rat poison. See, we just have to start thinking correctly. And we'll see it correctly. Are you in First John? Now, First John, let's, we're going to be, this is talking about temporal affairs. So, I'm not going through the, all of, 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 of First John, but let's go to First John 2. Let's go to verse 15. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now that doesn't, you know, that right here does not say that you shouldn't own anything. It's just telling you right now that it's temporal. That's all it's really telling you. It's talking about temporal things and worldly affairs. It's not, to, and when and, and when he's talking about this, the love word, he's not talking about the earth. Listen, he's not talking about people. He's talking about things that we as human produce, human activity, things that we produce. That's all he's talking about. Look at verse seventeen. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In other words, the desire, have you noticed? The desire passes away once you get it. Have you noticed? Once you get it, the desire passes away. I love that. And he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen, temporal things and worldly affairs don't last. How we handle them reflects our witness, our character, how we have handled temporal things and worldly affairs. We need to handle them according to the Word of God so that He can be glorified on how we handle temporal things and worldly affairs. Our witness is how we handle these things. We cannot live life without worldly affairs. Just handling them properly is what God is trying to tell us to do. You're going to live with, with temporal things. You're going to have 
worldly affairs. But how do you handle them? You cannot live a life without temporal things. You can't. You can't. Even those that they, they, they get them in a in some place and all they have is all of them, all the priests stay together. And they, but it's still worldly affairs and temporal things going on within there because you can't live without them. You're going to have to have them. See, your witness is not in the fact that you own anything or have everything. That's not going to be your witness. Your witness is how I use the things that I have and how I didn't let them draw me away. And God being glorified in how I'm using the things that my human activities or my human doings have produced for me. You have to understand that. No matter what my human activity produces, I have to tell myself, but I know it's temporal, and only what I do for Christ will last. i got to make myself understand that. Everything that I get, have, buy, bought, build, drive, whatever, marry, whatever, it's all temporal on this side. Only what I do for my Father will last. My human activities and human doings can produce for me a house in every state and three cars in that house in every state. See, your human activity, it can produce those things. Million dollars in the banks or however much, thousands of dollars in the bank, it can produce that. It can give you a savings account out of this world, just human things. You can get a helicopter, <laughs> planes, boats. You can have a helicopter that take you to the airplane, that take you to the boat, that take you to the yacht. Then the yacht take you to the island that you bought with 12 houses on it. Guess what? Every bit of it is going to go back to the dirt. Every bit of it is temporal. And if your life was required to you after you got dropped off on the island, guess what? It's still, you can't take it with you and it's going back to the dirt. Are you with me? But only what you do for God. See, I might have all that stuff. And let me tell you, what I just named out, some people have just that. They have all of that. But you know what? I may not have all of that. But if God can use my life to win a soul to his kingdom or to teach his people to walk in his word, that's eternal. While people are getting excited about the temple things, what about that that's going to last forever? What's going to be on my account when all of this is said and done? Because all of this will be said and done. I want something that's going to have fruit forever. Go to Matthew chapter 6, and we might not read it, but go there anyway. No, we're not going to be able to read it, but, but, but we'll pick up there uh, next week. So many Christians have confused temporal things and godly success 
And it's simply because of bad teaching. It's simply because of bad teaching. You've been taught that, that, you know, I have to have these material things so much that that's all they think on. And now I'm not really even talking about the charismatic church. I'm just talking about church, period. You gotta have things and stuff, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I just gotta, you know, I just gotta have a lot of stuff. And what has happened, the church has gotten some stuff and things. And we've decided that we're all right with God now. We got what we want. Because stuff and things that we have and we've acquired. And now we got some, you know, nothing that we will ever acquire will last. Even when we buy land, if we buy a building, just know it won't last. Don't get, you know, it's fine to get excited about it at the time, but don't put everything in it because it's passing away. Let me tell you, if we don't get out of a storefront to Jesus Church, it's okay because it's going back to the, even as I speak, it's deteriorating under the ground. It's not, you cannot give yourself over to it because it's temporal. I can't get my head so locked into everything that's temporal. I truly believe that there are, actually that there are not temple affairs that the church cannot do. Everything, let me tell you, we're going to do many things that are temporal. And we have to stay focused. Did you hear me? We have to stay focused. We cannot get caught up with a bunch of temporal stuff and think it's going to last. It's good for the time that we do it and then we move forward. That's called moving the church forward. We're, we, we, we don't have to rejoice and get so excited over things where moth, dust, and corrupt just going to corrupt it. Where thieves break through and steal. See, it's easy to see as an individual. It's harder to see as a group. Everything that can register on your senses is temporal. I want to drive that home. I'm trying to show you how to exist in this span of time. This building is just a thing. When we build one, it's just a thing. That we acquire through what? Through human activity. That's all it is. We gotta keep that. We cannot let it run away or it'll draw us away. I've seen churches, they build big cathedrals, but they've been drawn away from God because that's it. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so, and so they don't even talk about God. They talk about the beauty of that which is passing away. And we really don't want that multitude that's alienated in this beauty. We just need us in here because this, we gotta keep this. Now, don't ask, look, listen, don't let a flood come over the city and ask all them to come and sit in my church. Oh, no, no, no. It's too beautiful for that. And it's temporal. That's how you know those are signs you've been drawn away and seduced. As long as I have breath in my body and brains in my head, I won't ever let that happen. It's just not that serious. 
I like what my founding pastor used to say. He said, you know what, Al? I could care less about a dawn building. I can preach under a tree. And those that are serious would understand that because they understand about temple things and they want to walk with God. This building is just a thing. And when we build, it'll just be a thing. That'll go back to the dirt. What we want to do is build on the things that will last. And that is give this generation the word so that they can give it to the next generation and that generation can give to the next generation and that generation can give to the next generation. Because there will come a time that the weeds will grow in this place. There will come a time that this place will no longer be and we'll be in another place. And you know what? And sometimes you'll be riding around with somebody and you'll look over and you say, you know what? The church was once there. And they'll be like, what? Really? Yeah, it was once there. It won't even look the same. It won't because it passes away. None of this stuff lasts. Only what you do for the kingdom of God will last. Salvation, the altar of Jesus Christ, that's what's going to last forever. Don't fall in love with any of this. Don't fall in love with it. Don't allow it to seduce you. I'm here and others are here to make sure that none of that comes to pass where we are so caught up that we've drawn, been drawn away from the God that we love because we've acquired something. If somebody came and said, you know what, I want to buy you all land to build on. You know what, thank you and we'll build on it, but you know what, I'm not being seduced by that either. Because it's passing away. God commanded you, we'll build it. But you know what? We'll all rejoice for that time and then go right back, focus on God. Staying where we need to be. We are not those people. We, won't, we don't want to fall in love with that which is passing away. It's so easy, easy to live in this, in this, in this corruptible world and get caught up. Church people do it all the time. What's, what's difficult is when time changes like they have now, it's hard to keep people in the will of God. Even in this pandemic, it's hard to keep people in the will of God. Even in churches. Why? Because they're seduced by things. Things will change, and everything is subject to change as it relates to human activity. Know that. Let me show you how things have changed so, and show you how things are fleeting and passing. My grandchildren, they remember their pawpaw, and they'll always remember him because we'll always keep him in there. But guess what? My grandchildren, their mind as they grow up, their mind will only see me as their pastor or their uncle as their pastor. Their memory won't go all the way back there because they were young. Five and six. See, it, it, it's temporal. Even, even us. I'm registering on your senses. I'm temporal. 
That's all they know. They'll know. They'll remember him, but they they won't remember him as their pastor. Because see, as they grow up as teenagers, I'll be their pastor, their uncle be their pastor. That's who they'll know. They'll know. They'll know only Paul. Paul. But they won't know Pastor Hill. Why? Temporal. See how quickly things change? Quickly things change. There will be one day that we'll all come to pass. So what we want to do is what God wants us to do. The will of God. Because that's what's going to last forever. We want to put all of our investment, our time. We want to we put the best of us in the eternal. We know we have to live and exist and occupy and get things and, and do different things because we live here. We're created to work, to produce things and stuff. But we all want to put our best forward in that which is eternal. Because it's coming, coming a time that, the, let me tell you, I, I, I keep referring back to my founding pastor, and I always will, because his name will never die. But one day, God's going to come and fold this up. Another dispensation. So when he come and fold this up, that means whatever you've done in there is in that fold. If you did nothing, you got seduced, you got carried away, it's folded up now. It's gone. It's, that time is gone. See, it makes you think. You don't have time to waste. You give all your time to that which is passing away, and when you need it the most, you won't be able to hold on. And when destruction comes, and when things happen, and when things happen just pertaining to life, you won't be able to stand. Why? Because I've been seduced by the things that I've, my human activity, and now I don't know what to do. I know what to do because all of my hope is in Him, and all of your hope should be in Him. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.